0: Can you remind me, if you
1: you will be so kind? Staring out into space, asking God to hear my case. Trying to think of all things past, how long will my memory last with purple angels? Well, hello and welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm Lori LeBay and I'm the host and founder of Alzheimer's Speaks. Glad to have you with us today. For those of you that are new, I just want to tell you a little bit about who Alzheimer's Speaks is and what we're about. Um, Bottom line is we're an advocacy-based company providing multiple platforms to shift our dementia care culture from crisis to comfort around the world. And we do that by joining forces and sharing knowledge and just having these everyday conversations about life with dementia so that we can help raise the knowledge bar and um, decrease that fear and stigma bar and allow people to really live healthy, purpose-filled lives. And we know that we're making a difference. um, Thanks to all of you and your likes and your clicks and your shares with your Facebook friends, your LinkedIn colleagues, your Twitter tribes, your Pinterest pals um sharing um <clears throat> Alzheimer's speaks information has just uh, been amazing um through your shares we actually got acknowledged as being the number one influencer online Uh, regarding Alzheimer's, according to Sharecare and Dr. Oz. And again, uh, I I can't thank you enough for that. All of us have um, friends and family and colleagues and acquaintances that are dealing with this that we don't even know a lot of times are dealing with this because they're not ready to talk about it yet. And I'm a firm believer that the more we can push information out, uh, the easier it's going to be for people to grab it when they need it. And I'm talking as a daughter who lived this journey with her own mom with uh, dementia for 30 years. Uh, it can be a really isolating process. So I um, would encourage you all to continue to, to share those clicks as you're listening. And, uh, and spread the word that we're here. Um, on Alzheimer's Speaks Radio, we like to get everyone's voice heard. So we um, often interview people who have dementia. Uh, we interview families who have dealt with it or are dealing with it. Uh, we have anything from researchers to movie directors, singers, songwriters, authors, uh, people who have created a business. Um, it might be technology, maybe it's housing. Anything that will help uh, help those living with this disease live a little better. I also want to give a shout out just to Nancy Reagan. You know, the former first lady, recently died, and she just had such a big impact on this disease. You know, she was a fierce protector of Ronald Reagan, our our president and um, but she also raised the bar um, of his battle and the disease as a whole. I also want to um just praise Harry Urban, who lives out in Pennsylvania in Lancaster County. Um, He was just highlighted in a beautiful article um, titled, Lancaster County Man with Dementia Finds Life Doesn't Have to Be Perfect to Be Wonderful. And as usual, um, Harry just gives some really significant um, tips that are really simple to implement into your own life. Harry is one of our experts on Dementia Chats webinars that we do twice a month. In fact, we just had one this morning that was a great conversation about the difference between dementia villages and dementia-friendly communities. Um, And I'll be posting that probably tomorrow um, for people to go ahead and and watch. All of our webinars are free, and we do those the uh, second and fourth Tuesday of the month. Um, here in Minnesota, um, I would just kind of want to yell out to uh, HealthStar Home Health. They do just an amazing job delivering services to those in need and, and helping educate and um, do some cutting-edge things along the line. They're not afraid uh, to try something new. And so I just I love working with them. A lot. Uh, I also want to um, let you know that the show here is um, on a live and social networks, and it's brought to you by audible.com. And you can actually get a free Audible um, download and a 30-day trial by just going to www.audibletrial.com forward slash social. And there's over 180,000 titles uh, to choose from that you can download onto your iPhone or um, Android or Kindle or MP3. So um, go ahead and check out audible.com. Another sponsor here of the show is FreshBooks. And FreshBooks is is just a a friend of ours because they help save time, and and none of us have enough time. Not only do they help uh, with uh, simple solutions of invoicing if you're in business, but just managing expenses and staying on top of who owes you and what you owe them um, is a great way to be able to, to move forward with a little less anxiety. And we all know that tax season is upon us. So um, you can also go to FreshBooks and get a free 30-day uh, trial there by going to gofreshbooks.com forward slash live. That's gofreshbooks.com Forward slash alive. Well, let's get started with the show today, because we this is this hour is just going to blast by. I am so excited to have Joe Huey with us, um, and she's a specialist in helping caregivers, both family, friends, and those that are paid to care, work through the maze of emotions and skills that are needed to assist somebody with Alzheimer's or another related form of the disease. She shares lessons learned from her experience in multiple care settings, including nursing homes, assisted livings, um, home health, and companion care companies from 1985 through the hurricane of uh, Katrina with the evacuation process in August of uh, 25. And since 2006, Jo has had the opportunity to travel to 30 states to present her Alzheimer's educational materials at conferences. She's best known for her communication tool, the 10 Absolutes. And I have to say, I have seen this around so many times, Jo, and I'm saddened to say that a lot of times your name isn't attached to it. But people people are pushing this out constantly and i just think it's fabulous so i'm i'm glad that we're able to connect the dots as to who whose tool this is um joe is also the author of two books Alzheimer's disease help and hope and don't leave mama home with the dog so welcome joe
0: thank you it's great to be here
1: yeah i'm very excited to talk to you because i think your ten absolutes are are absolutely uh, fabulous and can be life-changing for people who are not only dealing with somebody with dementia, but a lot of other um, areas in our life as well, Um, just learning to almost be user-friendly in terms of people and personalities. Can you tell us first, though, Joe? have Have you been personally touched by dementia, maybe with a family member or a close friend? Oh, absolutely. um my
0: real story, which is in my alzheimer's disease, help and hope um is about my best friend when I was a little bitty girl as a toddler on up who um and it's way back in what I called the olden days, and I didn't even know um anything about alzheimer's, nor did they and so Ultimately, we believe in retrospect that that this best friend, who was an elderly person, you know, probably fifty, which doesn't seem so old anymore, but it did when I was a toddler, um, <laughs> probably had early onset Alzheimer's disease, and then it was complicated by vascular dementia with some strokes that actually ended his life. So that's what got me interested in it, and um, I vowed on his deathbed someday I'd find out what it was, and I was going to do something about it because it so affected our lives in. In some really difficult ways, but little did I know that I was actually being prepped professionally because I started working in the Alzheimer's arena in 1985. Uh, ultimately, my own mother ended up with vascular dementia and she lived with me. Uh, full-time for three years and was in the Hurricane Katrina evacuation. And then she lived two more years and I became a distance caregiver for her. And my book, Don't Leave Mama Home with the Dog, um, is the story of my mom and I. So, um, and how I was the professional who taught people how to interact. And then when it became my own, it was a whole new ball game. So um, touched in many aspects and uh, feel like that is something that I'm able to really share with people in a lot of different ways beyond what I learned and developed, but in that when it hits your own heart
1: and your own home. It's kind of amazing how similar our stories are. Um, I had a great aunt who was senile. Uh, That was the term used back when I was 13 and I was crushed the day she didn't know me. And I kind of had that same epiphany you did that I don't want anyone feeling this pain. And little do you know how the dots in your life are connected until you really look back. And then it just is such a natural path to end up where you are. My mom too had dementia. Her mom um, had dementia, uh, though we didn't know that um, as children. Uh, That was pretty well hidden. We just thought she had cancer. So um, kind of interesting how similar our paths really are. You've gotten your books out of you. I'm still working on that. I've got um, several in me, one one I'm working on um, that I'm hoping to get out yet this year. Um, but I just, I thank you for your work and, you know, for for doing all you've done, you know, going back to 85, I mean, you were way ahead of the curve, way ahead of the curve. Um, because most people are just kind of, this is just starting to come into, you know, their lives and their mindsets at this time. It was kind of a, a almost a hidden disease, one that was kind of poo-pooed and people shied away from it.
0: Very much so, very hidden, and and still in many ways today, it it really there is still a stigma attached. And you know, thank you for talking about Nancy Reagan. I had the opportunity to know Maureen Reagan, who was Ronald Reagan's oldest daughter uh, from his um, first marriage, and she worked with the Alzheimer's Association, and that's where I worked with her um, on a national level for quite a few years. And uh, you may or may not know that she died of. Um, melanoma, which is a the bad form of skin cancer, um, in her, I believe she was only in her fifties. She was just a little older than nine. She died quite a while ago. So she was also an inspiration and someone that I love to give credit to because she talked about, you know, how it impacted her life and she gave so much. But even with a president of the United States having, you know, said out loud that he had alzheimer's disease which happened on time magazine in 1995 you know we still with that many years we still have a lot of stigma attached and i felt that on stigma i didn't even want to tell my brother and sister when i had mom tested and really realized that she had vascular dementia and we had a lot of elders in my family and we had none of that historically. So I didn't think that was something I was going to deal with on a personal level. But but stigma comes from inside and outside, even
1: if you have a lot of experience and a lot of knowledge. So I think that's something we still really have to work on a lot. I agree. You know, I want to get into your 10 absolutes because I think most people who are going to look at them, especially family caregivers, are just going to cringe and go, oh my gosh, I am doing everything wrong <laughs> with them. So can you, explain um how you came up with the 10 absolutes and exactly what are they um well um it's a real fun story how i came up with them
0: so i um had been working with people with alzheimer's and related disorders for a long time as as i said before and i'd segued over from health and hospitals into long-term care so that i could work with people more and I got the opportunity and it was a grant once again back to the alzheimer's association and this was in colorado at the time way back in the early 80s so i think um i think they were started in 1981 in colorado and i worked for them as a respite care provider and one of the little ladies that i went in for respite care her daughter talked to me and she knew i wanted to get more education and more background so she talked me into moving this little lady into my own house with me and she lived with me for three years and um, until her death, and so her family had to move to another state, couldn't take her along, and they um, they hired me to take care of her 12 hours a day, seven days a week, and then my responsibility was to find someone to take care of her in my home, the other 12, 7, 365, um, for right at three years. And so she was still, in all the years that I've dealt with, and, and she was in the early days, in the in the mid-'80s, she was one of the most difficult people I've ever dealt with. And so I would write this little list of things for people not to do. And I'd say, and don't argue and don't reason and all the things that I would have on that left side of my 10 absolutes. And, and she would, she would, you know, just cause so many problems with the caregivers that came in on those 12 hours. And so she would just, um, cause things and they would I would come in the door and they'd leave they'd say I don't care if I pay you I'm not coming back tomorrow this is I can't do this and so one of the ladies that was just a gem that worked for me and stayed two of those three years she said, why don't you tell us what to do instead? We already know what not to do. And so that's when the difficulty became. So all these little things I'd been putting on the side, I had to come over and say, well, don't argue with you with her and what you need to do instead. And, and it was self-serving. It was for my own success. And that is actually how um, the Ten Absolutes were born is... Um, you know, writing these little notes and making them concise so that I could keep people so that I only had her the 12 night hours and the 12 day hours I could go to school and work and learn more about Alzheimer's so I had my own little laboratory per se and that's how it was developed so it was developed for usefulness and that's why it's so important that somebody not feel guilty about this this is a tool many people called it Joe's rules well you know rules were made to be broken (laughs) and I want you to think of that I that's why I'm saying it but you know, the tool, if you've got a tool, you can't blame yourself if you don't know how to use it Till you know how to use it. So if what you're doing works and it's the opposite of this, if it's not broke, don't fix it. But if you're having some difficulty in some areas, then this gives you an idea of what to do if if things are going wrong. And so people always tell me, for example, well, I would never argue with them, but then right away in the conversation they'll say something like, "But you know, sometimes they say some things that really aren't correct, and I need to correct them." So I'm saying, "No, and no, and no, you, no, you don't need to listen like we all do, and kind of go along and kind of go along, and then you can find a way that you can agree on some things." So there are two things that I talk about in the never argue, always agree. But your question was, how did these get developed and how do you keep from feeling guilty? And I think I answered that. And so I'll let you ask some more questions. So we're not just
1: hearing from me and I can expand on some of these. Okay. well, you know, one of the things that um, and and we'll get into, you know, what are these 10 things uh, during our conversation here? Um, But one of the one of the things that so often I think a loved one can get so upset and they want to argue. You and they want to know exactly, you know, what somebody is doing and why they're doing it. And um, yet they can be really, um, it can be really upsetting our approaches that we take in terms of correcting. So it was interesting when you said, well, no, I, I'm not arguing, I'm correcting, you know, and, and we think that that's a softer tone, but bottom line is it's still disagreeing. Um, with a person with dementia. And instead of um, arguing or correcting or disagreeing whatever term you want to use, what do you what do you suggest instead? Well, so, When somebody says something,
0: and I'll give you two prime examples that I think we all run into one time or another. So the classic, the one that's even a chapter in everybody's book, including mine, is when they say, I want to go, and that's very early on, or as time goes on, they want to go home. So for a spouse, it can be somebody that has lived in their house together for 35 years, and here they are in the middle of the night saying, I want to go, and sometimes it's to the bank because it's midnight, Or I want to go home they're actually saying I want to go home well what that tells us is the majority of what is left in the memory part of their brain is in a previous place in time probably previous 35 years previous and that'll answer a lot of other questions that I'll come into but for this very specific thing when they say I want to go home the classic answer for a spouse would be home what do you mean home this is your home we've lived here for 35 years all which is truth well if they knew it was their home they wouldn't say they wanted to go home so what we believe they're saying is I want to go to a different place in time and so they just mean I'm uncomfortable and I need some reassurance so when we say this is your home they don't necessarily get those words but they get our tone and our attitude that you're wrong and I'm right and I'm in charge and you're not in charge well You know if we're uncomfortable and upset that is not what we want so what on earth do you say when somebody says I want to go and the answer is three words total of five letters I don't think that you need to take notes when you're learning about this stuff because could you find your notes when you needed it anyway so I just made it three words five easy letters and the answer when somebody says i want to go home which is very true from your heart if you've been around this block or had this happen before is say so do i because don't you want to go someplace as far away from where you're at right now if you're going to have this disagreement and so when you say so do i in effect What that does is it really just starts a conversation that's a little different conversation that can be more positive, but it also tells them that we're in this together. And if you can be in anything together rather than be opposed, you know, toe-to-toe, head-to-head, then you can accomplish what you need to accomplish, which is to find something that's a better way. So that's one of the ways that I do never argue, always agree, is you just get on the same page, as people are often heard saying. The other one that happens so often is when they're looking for somebody that has died. This Mm -hmm. often happens when somebody has died recently, or they may be 95 years old and they're looking for their mama. Once again, it tells us where the majority of the information that's in the storage part of their brain, the hippocampus, is back in a previous place of time. And so we usually say things like, well, uh, 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 they died. Now, they read our body language way better than they read our words, so they know we're upset And so they're like, he died. Why didn't you tell me? I didn't even get to go to the funeral. Somebody should have told me. And they're so uncomfortable. And we watching them, especially family members, become much, much more uncomfortable. And we're like squirming around trying to say something. And then the one few blessing that we have in this disease is, They're easily distracted, so they get distracted away. We're still sitting there thinking, oh, what do I do? What do I do? And then they're likely to start all over and say something like, well, you know, I can't eat dinner because I have to wait for Tom to come home. And, of course, Tom is their husband who has recently died. So once again, this falls under never argue, always agree. So what do you do when they say they're looking for somebody that's died? Now, you're not on the witness stand. This isn't the whole truth and nothing but the truth, (laughs) but I want you to see how this fits and it comes from the truth because if you can practice the truth, then when they can read your body language, which they'll always be able to do way longer than they can do anything else, especially if they know you well, is say something like the truth. I haven't seen him today. So whether it's their mama who would be 110 now or whether it's somebody that just died or whether you don't know or not and you're just a caregiver that's looking out for them, you don't really have to have that much information. What you can say is, I haven't seen them today because if they're dead or if you don't know who they are, that's the truth. And once again, you're getting in this together, and then you can do the best tool that comes in next that works best all the time, change the subject to a different subject as quickly as you can.
1: Yeah, I think sometimes families and, and, and even professional you know, care workers that are that are getting paid uh, get so into the black and white you know, what's the honest to God truth? You know, if someone is dead, you know, and and they can't lie and they're uncomfortable. Um, But again, we're not being person-centered when we're not taking into consideration what that answer, how that answer is going to impact them. And, you know, to me, what you're talking about is really putting them first um, and, and being as truthful as possible to keep to keep their inks down um, because yes. what good is it, it really going to do? It works. Yeah. It really
0: works, and it's simple, and it's easy. And, you know, does it work every time? Well, no, but I don't know anything in the whole world that works every time. So my answer to that is how do you get good at something? Usually people will answer and say you practice. Well, if you're dealing with somebody that's having these difficulties and they're bringing up these subjects, you're going to get ample opportunity to practice. So if it didn't work the first time, use that blessing of forgetfulness and try it again. And pretty soon these things really will start working as you become more comfortable because it's how they're reading your level of comfort that's going to make the biggest difference.
1: Oh, definitely. Definitely. I just I I love your philosophy and I think it just it's it's easy um, it's easy to apply once, once we let go of trying to have to be in control and, and trying exactly. to be perfect and, um, you know, bringing kind of our old world into theirs, it, it just doesn't work. You know, we have to, we have to step into their new reality, accept that, appreciate that and, um, and bring comfort to them. Cause when they're comfortable, we're comfortable. And, exactly. and, and that is something that I think so many of us forget. And we're the agitators and we don't even realize that we're the ones, you know, bringing it up to the next level because we're not working with them in terms of how they need, you know, how they need to be in a relationship and the, the types of uh, information that they need and why it's important. And, you know, your, your um, 10 absolutes is so it's so simply drawn out and then, you know, you've got the examples on the back side. I mean, and it's just, it's, it's really easy to apply. And I think that's why it's, shared constantly. I mean, I, I see it out every, um, quite often, actually, on the internet, you know, people will cut and paste it and go, this is the best thing I've ever, I've ever found, you know, um, they absolutely adore it. And, um, and, you know, want to share it with others there. So um, well, great. And thank you. And, and just a word about the 10 absolutes. So there's
0: a little more information about it. Number one, is that it turned 20 last month. So I copyrighted it in, if you see the copyright Mm -hmm. on there, it's 1996. I copyrighted in January of 1996, which means it's 20 years old. And you're right. It's been out there and it's been out there without the copyright Mm and, um, and, that's not okay because it's copyright law that's not okay but i have always allowed people to use it as long as they put the copyright on it which is just huey 1996 um if you look up huey or 1996 or the 10 absolutes which it says at the top or um, or even put in absolutely never argue instead agree you know, anything off of it, it'll all pop up and comes right back to me. So it's easy to to find me with mm-hmm. that on, on our Internet for people that use the Internet. But I just want to talk about the fact that it's been around for 20 years and people have told me over and over how useful it is. And so I really want it to be shared with people and hope that the people are listening to this will have a way to print it out or you can go to my website and print it out um and so those are ways that you can get this and share this and of course you have to maintain copyright law but Mm -hmm. that's all you have to do it it doesn't cost you anything to share it my book alzheimer's disease help and hope was actually written on and about the 10 absolutes and um i used it for my master's thesis in college and um so it is um published work um the effectiveness of training for alzheimer's caregivers so so that's a little more history about the 10 absolutes i told you how it got started and then tell you a little bit more about how it's evolved and the um the book ten um alzheimer's disease help and hope which is about the 10 absolutes just turned 15 in november so um so these things have been out there for a while and they still stand the test of time when i redid my uh 15th anniversary edition i made very few changes mostly they were about myself and i don't look like i looked so i put a different picture and things (laughs) like that but um these stand the test of time and i just want them to be available to people to use them however they can to make their lives easier. It's a tool to make life easier for caregivers, which makes life way easier for the person for whom they're providing care.
1: Yeah, wonderful. Well, and even the way the book is written, I mean, it's very rare when someone actually puts a tool on the cover. And on the back cover, you actually have the, you know, the basics of the 10 absolutes listed there. So people know right away what they're getting into. And it, it all is just so intriguing because it's like, oh my gosh, of course course you know this this would this makes a lot of sense and then you open it up um, and you know read you know some of the situations and the examples and stuff and it's it's just clearly um, written easy it's a very easy read and it's it's one of those I think where you can just kind of pick it up. Um, when you need to as a reference as well. So if you're really arguing with somebody, you can go back, okay, let me just go to that chapter here. <laughs> never <Right>. argue. <laughs> and and See what and, I should really do here because this is not working. <laughs> yep, yep. And, um, you know, or never shame, you know. And a lot of times we don't even know we're shaming people.
0: You we know? don't.
1: And so, you know, had I not copyrighted
0: this so long ago, I would actually change that word to embarrass mm-hmm. because, the thing that most people really are not aware of, and I do a whole series on brain biology by Joe, um, and I'm actually working on a little booklet for it, sort of like your book, that I just never seem to get wrapped up. And so anyway, it what people really don't realize is that a person with Alzheimer's, which is also why they can read us so well and our buttons, and, and I actually learned this at a conference given by Nancy Mace in 1981, um, that they're they're not impaired. The part of their brain that is not impaired is the feeling part. Now, we think of feeling with heart, but of course, it's not our pumping organ of blood where heart is. But... So their feelings aren't impaired. And so the way that they see us and read us and everything, they're good readers of that because, you know, when you don't know intellectually, for lack of a better word, what's going on, you know, you let your intuition or your feelings or your sense about something or your vast experience that you have accumulated in that feeling aspect to figure out what's going on. And so that's why it's so easy for them to read us, but it's also why it's so easy for them to be get their feelings hurt, get easily embarrassed, and we'll say things to them like, what did you do that for? And they truly don't remember what they just did because that's the early impairment for everybody, regardless of what's causing those symptoms. So when they don't remember what they just did, they really don't remember And then we're upset with them about something and they realize that we're upset with them about something. So they figure they must have done it. But then we go right back to that circle and they say, well, but I didn't do that. I would never do that. And then we come back and say, well, yes, you did. I just saw you. And so see, (laughs) you go right back around. So all of these 10 absolutes all come back to the first three or four and they just go round and round you go. So it doesn't have to be 10 things. 10 things just help you. Um, Have a little outline that you can use, but if you can just shift teeny tiny shifts, one or two ways that you manage something just in conversation, you can make a world of difference every day. It doesn't have to be so hard. Let's don't make it hard. Let's do a tiny shift, practice one little thing, see how it works, try it out, and our day will get better, and then their day gets better, and there you go. It's the spiral that goes upward instead of downward.
1: Well, you know, today on Dementia Chats, we talked about kind of the dementia-friendly communities and the villages and stuff. And one of the things that was brought out was, um, you know, it's nice that these physical changes are made, but we really need people to make psychological um, changes in terms of how they're communicating with us, emotional adjustments, spiritual adjustments to really bring us comfort you know, because so many times, I mean, they get so tired of people looking at them and going, well, you look fine, you know, and, and it's just we've got to be deeper than that. We've got to um, what I call consciously care, and I think that's what's so cool about your 10 absolutes is that it um, helps people consciously shift in terms of how they are caring for one another. And, um, you know, none of us like to argue. I mean, well, I shouldn't say none of us. Some people are on b- debate teams and, you know, that's kind of their goal. But, I mean, for the most part, people, you know, would rather sit and have fun and be engaged versus be in the thick of something that makes them, uh, you know, for many very uncomfortable. And um, and so, you know, I think your your 10 absolutes can really have a broader expansion than just dementia. That's just kind of my personal thought. I, it gets into, um, I think, respect um, for where a person is, you know, is in life. And not that we don't want to teach people right from wrong if we're dealing with, with small children. Um, but again, it, it's, it's getting into how do you do that in a respectful fashion. Um, right. So it's it, it is. And, and people
0: tell me all the time because, of course, I've given these presentations and I have quite a few different presentations I do around the 10 episodes. People come up to me all the time and they say, you know, this will work for two year olds, teenagers, difficult mm-hmm. bosses, all kinds of different things, you know, if if it happens to be like a general audience. And so. Um, So it really does. It really is a form of communication. And it's not so much about right and wrong as exactly what you said. It's about respect and it's about dignity. And even small children, you know, there's a way to teach them right and wrong that doesn't require yelling at them and belittling them and taken away you know their self-esteem and their self-respect and so it is an actual communication tool that can help us look at different ways of approaching many things in our life especially when we're tired and frustrated and possibly even angry because that's the kind of emotions that come out of life and so um it really does help keep you kind of on task and and just stopping and thinking of how you might look at this and, and really thinking about what's really important anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, is it this one issue that we're going toe to toe on or is it having a good day or a good time or a good visit or a good 15 minutes or getting something from bad to better? Mm-hmm. Um, again you know all the way around but particularly with this disease process that that has a lot of loss and pain and things in it if we can just make tiny little shifts um, we can make each other smile and that is a day or an hour changer on yeah. a regular basis.
1: Well, and I like that you said tiny, tiny shifts, because I think everybody thinks everything has to be this big, huge project. And it's going to co- take a lot of time and a lot of money and a lot of effort. And it really doesn't have to. I I think, you know, I've seen the, the biggest shifts in in uh, getting people to see the simplicity and getting them back into being, uh, you know, um, being relationship based and, and, um, just, you know, everybody wants that comfort and sometimes the, the care partners not willing to even, say how uncomfortable they are, if they're angry or if they're exhausted or whatever, because um, they're embarrassed that they have those feelings or, the, you know, um, and they don't want to disclose, they don't want to talk about it because they, you know, how are others going to look at them? And so part of it is, I think, for the care partners to really look at, okay, how are you feeling in all of this too? Let's get honest. And, and um, you know, emotions aren't good or bad, they just are. You know, it's, are. it's just how we react to them that gets us in trouble. And so if we realize that, you know, everybody on both sides of the slide here, you know, have emotions and they're going to trigger different things. And sometimes they're going to be the same and, and that's okay. It's just, how do we get back to that peaceful place? Cause I think that's where most people want to be. Um, right. And that brings up another point. If I can
0: interject sure though, that happens so often Um, I so often hear people after they've seen my 10 absolutes, after they've even read my book, after they've attended uh, one of the presentations that I've done, and they will come up to me. So I'm just going to give an example. So it's the children that are here, it's their parents they're worried about, their mom is so stressed out about their dad or their dad so stressed out about their mom, whichever direction that it's going, the care partner and they're saying, but they just do everything wrong and and I need them to learn to do this. This is my advice to them and I think it's very important um, to bring this up the person that they need to change which is not the one with the disease process but the one that is a stressed out worn out caregiver needs the courtesy of these 10 absolutes mm-hmm. so i tell them don't give this to your worn out care provider use this with them and stop arguing with them about arguing with the person Yep use it that way use it with the person that is the most stressed out and look at this from that perspective and see how you can use this tool to help yourself interact with the one that doesn't have the disease process because as the stressed out caregiver that's another thing that happens so often is Everybody keeps asking you if you're taking care of yourself, and then they tell you everything that you're doing wrong or how you could be doing it better, and that is the last thing you need in the world as a care provider or a care partner or whatever you want to call it as, you know, Mm -hmm. just a spouse of someone that's ill. And so I really want to bring that around. Once again, use this tool not to teach someone else what to do, but- to be kinder to someone else that maybe needs to know what to do. Example is a wonderful, wonderful tool.
1: Mm -hmm. Exactly. Now, one of the things um, that I wanted to mention was um, a lot of times people will kind of push off making a change and going, hey, you know, we're still good. Things aren't that bad yet. What do you say to to those people? Um, I I I hear that all the
0: time and I've heard it so much through the years. Um, uh, So often people say that. And what I really say to them is, you know, if you are concerned enough that you're thinking about going to the doctor to get a diagnosis, if you're way on down the road a ways and you've got the diagnosis, early on, absolutely early on, as soon as you think there's something wrong, you need to start finding resources because you can't do this alone there's a wonderful resource with the alzheimer's association and you can go to the alz.org i really don't work for them but i've used their tools all through the years Um, and they have one things that you can do to help a family with alzheimer's disease um, it's a little known. You have to ask for it. It isn't usually kept in any of the chapter offices. You have to ask for it. But it's a little card that you can get, and you can hand it out to people if they say, I wish there's something I could do to help. You don't have to tell them what they can do to help. You don't have to ask for help because those are very hard things for us to do. And you think, well, I'm going to save that up for later. Well, if you're have got, if you in the arena, if you're just entering later is now and so get that little card and when somebody says something to you you can hand it out to them or you can read that card sometimes and it'll just help you think how wonderful it would be if somebody would just come and visit with your loved one for an hour so that you could just go do something that didn't require doing anything like maybe um staring at the sunset
1: yep Good, good advice. Um, another another uh, question that I wanna ask is a lot of times, and I think families really, really struggle with this, is, um, you know, when do we tell our friends that dementia knocked at our door? Um, because they really feel uh, a need to protect and they feel very disloyal and uncomfortable. Um, and that that, you know, they're really worried about the stigma bottom line. Of how people are going to react to this, and is this really disrespectful? What do you What do you say to to those folks struggling with that decision? Well, I
0: shared how much I learned about that. It was really a blessing for me when I finally had my mom diagnosed, and I didn't want I didn't want my brother and sister, her own other children, to read read what was on there because that even seemed disloyal. It's like, you know, mom and I are doing okay, kind of the first subject going to the next one and, and we're gonna be okay, but but I don't want people to think that, that there's something really wrong with her because once again that stigma became so aware to me. And so so you know what, think about it like you do any other disease process. And so you'll be surprised at how often people we notice And sometimes we need other people to notice so that we can get some help or some assistance or maybe even sympathy. But, you know, people really don't pay that much attention and they really don't notice that there's that much wrong. And so it's not that important to tell people unless it's something that's affecting them. Usually if somebody doesn't ask, don't tell. If they ask you, you know, I've noticed that something's going on for sure, for sure ever. Don't talk about them in front of them like they're not even there. Say, well, why don't we have a chat someday or why don't I give you a call at a convenient time? And then ask them what they've seen. Gather information from them. And less is usually better. Tell them, you know, there are some challenges going on and, um, you know we're not really sure what it is and we're working with the doctor and 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 you don't have to get into all the details um, the majority of my people my family most of the family on both my mom's side and my dad's side and my dad had died almost 20 years before my mom even became ill not hardly anyone really knew that there was anything wrong with my mom she had beautiful Uh, social skills, beautiful manners, and she could just pop into that so quickly. And as long as they're not providing the care and it's just an acquaintance, you can help them out by instead of saying, do you know who this is? You say, oh, mom, this is um, aunt, aunt, Lucille and you know she came here to to see us to talk about dad you know she and dad were little together and in high school together and you can just fill in that stuff and people are like yeah 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 and and you can get by so so it's really the comfort level that you're at to discuss with people and the need to know and often there isn't that much need to know people that you really need in your life that seem to be going away because they don't know what to do and they're pulling away, have a nice conversation with them. But you don't have to go out there. When you have cancer or something like that, you know, we're pretty selective about the details that we tell people.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. The the one thing I, I guess I would add to that, though, is... Be honest with how, um, what your feelings are as a care partner. I mean, I, I know for me, I used to get really mad at my folks' friends because I'm like, why are they inviting them to do this? Why are they doing this? And then I would have to like undo it because they weren't capable of doing certain things. And it was because we never had the, we never had an honest conversation and so it caused it caused a lot of frustration for um, for myself, um, but well, but also a, my folks it, too. That, and that's an excellent point. And thank you so much
0: for bringing that up. So it really does. But it's also something that you can say with illnesses. You know, Mom really hasn't been feeling well for a while, and so we try not to have those. We try not to get into those kinds of situations. Mm-hmm. And if you'd like me to explain more about that to you. Um, I will um, at a later time, but you can also just learn to not include some of those things, even family um, family meals at holiday time and things like that. Um, you just start being selective about what you're doing, which you wouldn't even you wouldn't even sort of, Um, stop at doing it if somebody was on chemo or something like that you can say well you know they're really not feeling well Um, and then if they ask and want to know the details and they genuinely want to know and you can really get help from them then give them the details but a lot of times people just don't understand what it is and you're back in that quandary about the stigma and everything so the people that are close and the people that matter are the ones that you really work with and otherwise you just say you know, mom's been under the weather for a few months and we're trying to work this out. So
1: we're going to have to decline right now. Mm -hmm. I have a a question I just want to pose to you, because I I think there are some people um, with the disease who are very much advocates for the disease that would argue the point that they, they don't they want to kind of come out of the closet and not everybody does about the disease, but I think many of them feel strongly that, you know, we need to be honest with people if we're going to get the, you know, if we're really going to become dementia friendly, um, just kind of like, cancer, you know, way back when it was just referred to as the C word. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, now people are really embracing it. They're doing the walks, they're doing, you know, all kinds of things. And, and I know that, that there's, you know, a lot of people out there, not everybody, but a lot of people out there that say, you know, we need to start being honest. But again, it gets into, I think, individual circumstances and what, Um, the person diagnosed as well as the family, what their comfort levels are. And Um, I think the people that are
0: out there, you know, being diagnosed early, thank heavens that we're doing a better and better, better job. And I can't encourage that more than being diagnosed early. And those people are the, the real advocates that are out there and they can advocate for themselves and that is wonderful and it's such a blessing and they they are the four, the the leaders let's ask them and let's do what they say and that's really not only okay but you know full steam ahead because it will help us learn more about this disease and it will help us in the long run um become advocates and make it more normal but the problem with it is trying to get it with people, particularly in an older generation. Mm-hmm. So they don't want to know. They don't want other people to know. So absolutely go to the individuality. But the people that are getting early diagnosis, the early onset people, so Early onset means under the age of 65. Early diagnosis means you're diagnosed early enough in the disease process to be your own advocate, to still make some decisions, to still be active in your own care. And we never even used to be concerned about that. They're making such wonderful things. They're such wonderful people and they're writing books and they're, you know, they're um, testifying in front of Congress and all of those things. And that is just that is just absolutely amazing and wonderful and i totally encourage that but the question that i was answering more was like when i was dealing with my mom Mm -hmm. and when people are dealing with people or they're saying to them you know now you've got to understand you've got alzheimer's and you can't drive anymore so again it's back to using those subtle shifts and really looking at each person as an individual let's please 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 not forget to look at each person as an individual one individual with alzheimer's is one individual with alzheimer's you can't lump them all in together with generality so look at each person look at each situation and look at what you're able to be comfortable with and if you're not comfortable with what they're comfortable with you may have to remove yourself from that particular position or you may have to remove yourself from whom you know where they're interacting you might Mm -hmm. not be the right person to be their advocate if they want to really talk about it and you really don't and and you have to come back to is this about them or is this about you and that's something I think you have to redo over and over and we're getting so much better at it and that's just so wonderful that, that we are especially early diagnosis people that can advocate for themselves. I mean let's cheer them on and help them however they want to be helped.
1: Yep. Well and I love that you said analyze you know who is this really about? <laughs> what, what? Why is this decision being made? Is it about you and your comfort level and you worried about being embarrassed or is it really about the person that you're caring for? Um, And there's a big difference there sometimes. There's a huge difference. My book, Don't Leave Mama Home with the Dog, um, I talk
0: about that all the time, how often it was about me and not about her when I was taking care of my mom. Mm -hmm. Um, My son, I heard him explain this one day and I had no idea why until he said it and he's a very adult son he's too old to be my son I don't know how that (laughs) happened but anyway he said to somebody he said yeah you know don't leave mom home with the dog is a real catchy title um which my mom participated in creating that title which is what made it so fun and so catchy but he said it's really my mom's memoirs about she and my grandma's journey with her um her symptoms of dementia that were caused you know vascular not Mm -hmm. um not alzheimer's So, um, so I talk about that a lot and how I had to review who this was about and very often it was about me. And so I kind of, you know, um, I, I kind of beat myself up in there a little bit, but it was, it was to help emphasize going back and forth and looking at that very point, because I had to do that really often in, Mm -hmm. in mom's care.
1: Okay. Well, I could just talk with you all day. I just, I, I love your philosophy. Um, you're just so easy to listen to. You, um, you know, drop just these little mini nuggets all over the place. And, you know, um, check out Joe Huey's uh, books, um, Alzheimer's Disease, the 10 Simple Solutions for Caregivers, and also Alzheimer's Disease, Help and Hope and Don't Leave Mama Home with the Dog. Um, and I just want to highlight if it's okay, really quickly, your, your 10 absolutes, um, so that they can know what they're getting, um, instead of argue, agree, um, instead of trying to reason with them, divert, instead of shaming, distract, instead of lecturing, reassure, say, um, instead of saying, remember, um, reminisce, um, instead of saying, I told you, Um, go ahead and repeat and regroup. Uh, Many times we say you can't. Instead, do what they can um, do. And instead of commanding or demanding, um, use a model that's asking and engaging, instead of being condescending. Um, be encouraging and praise, and instead of forcing an issue, reinforce. Um, again, I, I, I you're just brilliant, you, and you you communicate in such a simple way that you're going to be able to help. You already have helped. You know, I'm sure hundreds of thousands of people around around the world and um you know your 10 absolutes celebrating 20 years uh, shows the you know the pertinence uh and the value of of what you've you know of what you've learned and what you are sharing with the world is is still um still very helpful for for those going through this journey so thank you so much joe what are the best contacts for people to get a hold of you
0: Um, Probably the best one is to just Google me if you can do that. So you just put in those six easy letters, J-O-H-U-E-Y, and then my website comes up. um, You can always email me for free and I'll respond, joe at com. My website is com, but sometimes that's a lot to try to remember. Um, and then, of course, the website itself is www.alzheimersadvocate.com. Um, but again, the easiest way is if you do Joe Huey um, and um, email me, ask me questions. Uh, I'll send you copies of the Ten Absolutes. Um, And um, that all is for free and then you know there are books and other things that show up on the website and you can look at those and use them, however, it'll be helpful for you and and your loved ones.
1: Great. And when people share your 10 absolutes, please, uh, please be courteous and respectful of her, her trademark. Um, you're not going to take anything away from the material by leaving her name on there, her contact information. Um, it's just going to help more people reach out and find similar tips and tools um, and resources, uh, you know, when they need it. So again, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. It really was an honor and a pleasure to, to have you on the show today, Joel.
0: Thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity and everyone be kind to yourself and um, um, look at the joy that you can still have in life, regardless of what's happening to us.
1: Thank you. Thank you. And remember, you can go to audibletrial.com forward slash social and get your three thirty day trial of over 180 titles. Um, again, that's uh, www.audibletrial.com forward slash forward slash social also um on a live and social here our network you can check out apples to apples monday at 2 30 or go to the archives and listen to scott and drew Applebaum, who where a father and son team who discuss por- sports and find out if father really knows best um another show i want to highlight is just joan of arc which is a weekly podcast and um Joan investigates and celebrates people who make art. And so join the conversation and check her out. She uploads uh, new episodes every Monday. Uh, For our last uh, couple of shows, we talked uh, about delirium, what it is. And we also had calendar cards on, which is a new memory support system. And if you haven't listened to those shows, I would encourage you to do so. This week, we're actually going to be doing three shows, uh, this one here today. On Thursday, we're going to be talking with Mark Arnold, the uh, CEO of the Caregiver Alert Center, um, which which helps find missing people. And on Friday, we're going to be uh, talking with the executive director of Caring Together in Hope, who just opened a memory care cafe, which is open six days a week, all year long in Georgia. And uh, then on the 15th, we're going to be talking to Dan Hansen about funeral options. And it's not going to be what you think it is. So um, you're definitely going to want to listen in. Uh, Tomorrow, I will be posting the Dementia Chats uh, webinar we did today. Again, we talked about dementia-friendly communities versus dementia-friendly villages. What's the difference? Um, How can we work together better in the future? And that uh, will be a free video anybody can look at. If you're going to be in Texas um, in April, let let me know because I'm going to be down there a couple of times. On the 28th, I'm going to be doing a caregiver survival camp down in Tyler, Texas with the Alzheimer's Alliance of Smith County And then in the beginning of the month, I'll be working with um, Autumn Leaves, and we're going to be doing some previews of his neighbor, Phil. Uh, Let's see. What else do I want to do a shout-out? On the blogs, uh, there's a couple of uh, great articles I think you'll be interested in. On the 6th, we had an article about a a gal who is a wonderful athlete who has decided to donate her brain to science, Um, there's also a blog that, um, highlights two new songs about the loss in dementia. One is called Not Alone and the other one is Disappeared. And then information on the semi-postal stamp for Alzheimer's, how you can get involved with that. And let's see, what else can I tell you? Um... Last thing I think before closing up again, I want to give a shout out to uh, FreshBooks. You can grab your 30-day fri- tr- your 30-day trial, your 30-day free trial by going to GoFreshbooks.com forward slash alive. That's it for the show today. Um, keep in mind uh, your memory chip, which you can download from AlzheimerSpeaks.com by going to our tools and products area which teaches you to focus on, instead of your task list, focus on really being truly person-centered. Are they safe? Are they happy? Are they pain-free? Take care now. Hi, everyone. This is Meredith from the Senior Fitness with Meredith podcast, where I discuss all things for seniors. From fitness, your health and wellness journeys, how to be all over strong and beyond. I also have my mini podcast called Motivation with Meredith, It's a great, quick, motivational pick-me-up for your days. Join me. Listen now. Search for Senior Fitness with Meredith on your favorite podcast platform.